the teams you care about. Mac Jones is good. That's not the question. The question is, is he good enough to win repeatedly in this loaded AFC? The stories that matter to you. If I'm Xander Bogarts, I need three things in order to get over that insulting contract offer. This is your home for New England sports. Jason Tatum, superstar. Book it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a Thursday right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Full show tonight all the way up until 7 o'clock. No Red Sox baseball and then a short dinner jazz or a short jazz with George Thomas. That goes from 7 o'clock until 8 o'clock. And then NBA Finals Game 1. Our coverage begins at 8, Celtics Warriors. First, uh, the tip-off there is at 9 o'clock-ish. I cannot wait for this. This is what we have been waiting for. This should be a great series between the Seas and the Warriors. You can get in all show long on the Napa Morrisville Napa Waterbury text line 802-585-3026. Your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville and you can get in on the brand new Facebook Live, YouTube Live and also my Twitter account live streams. Also get your comments in there. Celtics fans, I need to hear from you today. Five, four, three, two, one. And here we go. The opening thoughts of the Brady Farkas show are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. My gut tells me my gut tells me Golden State wins this series in six games. And I'm not trying to be a buzzkill, and I'm not trying to be a wet blanket. I'm just telling you the truth. Right now, today, my gut tells you going into this series, I have to make a prediction. My prediction is Golden State in six. I could very easily be wrong. I hope that I am wrong, but I am paid to give you my honest opinion and that is my honest my that is my honest opinion warriors in 6 now i admit i very easily could be falling into the trap of just looking at the warriors history and their legacy and i think a lot of people are doing just that like vegas has the warriors as the favorite in part because i think so many people remember the warriors from 4 to 5 years ago I think that absolutely could be playing into my feelings here. There's numbers out there and simulations that say that Boston is the better team, that say the Celtics will win. I hope they are right, but I think I and a lot of others are drinking the Kool-Aid on thinking this Warriors team is the old Warriors. I hope that I am wrong. Today, I've got Warriors in six. Going into the series, I've got Warriors in six, and I've been right in every series so far. Not in terms of games, but in terms of who would win. I had the Celtics over Brooklyn. I had the Celtics over over Milwaukee. I had the Celtics over Miami. I've got Golden State here. I hope this is the one that I am wrong in. I just look at the Warriors, and I just think there's too much depth there. There's too much depth. There's too many options. 
Steph, Clay, they can score. Wiggins can score. Jordan Poole can score. Kaminga can score. Otto Porter, Gary Payton II, Kevon Looney. There's just more bodies that they can throw at you, I think. More guys that can touch the court. The Celtics are very good and very talented, but they've basically gone to a seven-man rotation in the playoffs, and they're battling injuries. So my gut tells me not necessarily that the Warriors are so much better than the Celtics, but just that they're kind of going to outlast and outcondition the Celtics here. That That's kind of where I'm at. I think the Warriors win this series mainly out of a battle of attrition and less about just, oh, the Warriors are flat out better. I'm not sure the Warriors are flat out better. The stats tell you that Boston is the better team. The data tells you Boston. Vegas tells you Golden State. That's why this could be a really fun and interesting series. But I just think that Golden State is healthier, they have more bodies, and they're better rested. That is why I think the Warriors win this series. I hope that I'm wrong. One thing that I found interesting in doing my research on this that we don't really realize going into this series is that, I mean, the the whole focus is on the Celtics' defense and the Warriors' offense. But did you know the Warriors' defense is actually the second-best defense in the league this year? And the Celtics offense actually ranked better than Golden State's. So we're all looking at Golden State's offense versus the Celtics defense when we should be looking also at the other way. Can the Celtics score with their better off with their good offense on Golden State's good defense? That it will be a fascinating series. I think both of these teams have top end talent. I think both have extremely high levels of motivation, which we're going to get to. I think both have the ability to adjust. And I think that both teams can win any type of game. Last series, I didn't think that Miami could win a shootout. In this series, I could see either of these teams playing in any facet, like any kind of game. If this is 117 to 114, I could see both teams winning. If this is 91 to 89, I could see both teams winning. We will see what happens. Warriors and six is my prediction. What is yours? Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, text line 802-585-3026. Drop your questions, your comments, your predictions on the text line. Uh, Unnamed texter, do you think that the Celtics playoff run has affected the Red Sox? Yes, it's bought the Red Sox some time from the fans. 100%. There are a lot of fans that are all in on the Celtics and aren't paying a whole lot of attention to the Red Sox yet. And the minute this Celtics season is over, they're all going to go back and start calling for High and Bloom's head again. So, yes, the Celtics have distracted a lot of people from from the Red Sox misery so far this season. And the Red Sox now hanging around 500. You look at the the record and you say okay it's not that bad if we make a little run here so a lot of people who have been kind of ignoring look at the record and like okay it's all it's okay it's not that bad when the season ends they're going to start watching and if it continues like this they're going to realize just how bad it is marcus in st albans can't wait to watch tonight what do you think is the most who do you think rather is the most important player for the celtics in this series marcus smart Marcus Smart. The Celtics need Marcus Smart. I know he's not their best player on the roster, 
But I think in this series and in these scenarios, I think he is incredibly valuable to what they do. He's had games where he scored 20-plus points and the Celtics have needed it. They could use that here. They We can't count on that, but they could certainly use his scoring ability. But they need him as a ball handler. They need him as a playmaker. They need him as a def- as a defender. They cannot afford to lose him to injury, foul trouble, or poor play. I mean, there's a lot of perimeter options for this Warrior team. Steph, Clay, Poole, Wiggins. Marcus Smart has to be available to guard on the perimeter. And then offensively, he's got to be the guy that gets them in good sets. Jason Tatum's going to have a lot to do. He cannot have to be the primary ball handler, right? Luka is an incredible player. Incredible for Dallas. You saw how gassed he was with the Mavericks in that series against Golden State because he had to do everything, right? You have to play defense. You have to to score 30, and you have to carry the load in the ball handling department. Jason Tatum's not going to be able to do that and the Celtics be able to win. They're going to suffer the same fate as Dallas did if that is what happens here. It's it, It can't be what happens here. Marcus Smart has to be there to lighten the load. Play defense on their perimeter stars, on their perimeter depth, and keep the ball out of Tatum's hands at all times and allow him to go and 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 move without the ball and put himself in good positions. Tatum can't be forced to create everything for himself. Lakin in Orwell, do you think Rust can be a factor for Golden State in game one? Um, I mean, I think Rust can always be a factor. Like, when you've had a decent amount of time off, I think Rust is always possible. I always put it as a possibility. We saw what happened to Tampa last night in the NHL playoffs, right? Nine days off, I think they had. They got smoked in the second and third period by the Rangers. So Rust is always a possibility. But for some reason, I don't think it's going to be a factor tonight for Golden State. I wish it would, but I don't think it is. I think Golden State is a pretty well-oiled machine. Like, they've been there. They know how to prepare. They know how to handle, you know, lengthier delays. They've dealt with pretty much every scenario you can deal with, and I think they're they're equipped to handle it. Steph, Clay, Draymond, Iguodala, Kerr, there's enough experience there. I think they know You know, I think they know how to handle that. I think the first part of this game will be filled with a lot of adrenaline and emotion. I think it will be frenetic. So it it could be ugly, but I wouldn't take that ugliness as rust. I think there's going to be a frenetic pace at the beginning. Then I think it will settle down. Don't take ugly for rusty. I just think that is going to be two teams that are excited to be in the NBA Finals. And Steve Kerr. He did say this also. Two games we played this year are almost meaningless in terms of this matchup because so many players were out. And I think Boston's a different team now than they were when we faced them. We don't know them that well. They don't know us that well. There will definitely be a kind of a feeling out process. Yeah, so a feeling out process, again, could be ugly at times, but I don't think there's going to be rust. I think these teams are going to be ready. My biggest question is, will the Celtics have had enough time to get healthy? You know, how's Smart's ankle? How's Rob Williams' knee? 
I, so I, I think that is a factor, but I don't think rust is going to be a factor. I think, I think these teams are ready to play. Phil says, Brady, you are wrong more than you are right with your predictions, Celtics in six. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wrong more than I'm right, Phil? Did I or did I not have the Patriots last year all season long from Cam Newton to Mac Jones and whoever else as an 8-10 to 10 win team? Would they win? 10 games. Did I or did I not have them getting beat by Buffalo in the playoffs? I did. I have. I was right on the Patriots. Like, I predict the Patriots a lot. I was dead on with the Patriots all year last year. I was dead on with UVM basketball all year last year. Now, I didn't think that the Red Sox were going to be under 500 at this point. I also said it's not a given that the Red Sox get to the ALCS last year just because they, like the division's really good, I said. They're not a given to get to the playoffs. And what do we know? They're in fourth place. I think I've been pretty good with my predictions here, Phil. I think I've been pretty darn good. So I got the Warriors in six. I hope that I'm wrong. I would love nothing more than in, in two and a half weeks to come back here and be talking about the Celtics hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy. I hope I'm wrong. I, I want to be wrong. I'm actively rooting to be wrong. But I get paid to give you my opinion and my predictions. I got the Warriors in six. I've heard, you know, I heard Chris Broussard today at Fox Sports 1 say Warriors in seven. I heard Freddie Coleman yesterday say he thinks the Warriors are going to win. So a lot of the media is on the Warriors. The Vegas public is on the Warriors. The betting public is on Golden State. A lot of the data thinks Boston's going to win. I hope that that's the case. I hope that it is. But depth and scoring ability, I think, is what gives Golden State the edge. I think Marcus Smart is absolutely huge. We're going to need to see Marcus Smart be available and be good in this series that the Celtics are going to have a chance to win. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox are off today. You will hear from Buster Olney, though, next. I taped with Buster earlier in the day. You're going to hear a portion of that interview next. What does he think about the Matt Barnes saga for the Red Sox? I said the other day I feel bad for him. Have we ever seen somebody just lose it completely quite like this? Buster Olney, you'll hear from him next on DEV. Want Brady to hear your opinion on the sports stories of the day? Text in at 802-585-3026. All the insight into everything going on in baseball. It's time for our weekly conversation with ESPN Baseball Insider and Vermont native, Buster Olney. I'm just about ready to bet the family farm in Vermont. On the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on this Thursday on WDEV AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. Eric Snow is going to join us at 630 today. Former NBA point guard went to three separate NBA finals. So Eric Snow is going to be with us Yeah, at 630. Very excited to talk with him live. Earlier today, I had a chance to speak with our ESPN MLB insider Buster Olney. The full interview was about 15 minutes long. The full thing is available on the Brady Farkas Show podcast channel on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Talked a lot about the Red Sox. Talked about Buster, who made a recent trip to Fenway, which you'll hear a little bit about here. I play you about half 
of the interview right now. We started out actually talking about the NBA Finals, and I'm fascinated about the Ime Udoka storyline here, the differences between Udoka and, and Brad Stevens. And there's been a lot made about Ime Udoka and his ability to hold players accountable and call people out, sometimes in the media. And I asked Buster, you've seen a lot of different styles of managers in baseball. How do guys have a personality like Udoka, call people out, hold people accountable without grading on guys? Yeah, no. Uh, and it's why I think that, you know, you, you need different voices and one voice doesn't always hold. You know, Joe Madden might be the best example of that. Uh, in his first year with the Cubs, I remember talking with a Cubs official and, and he said, I've never seen one person make so much of a difference in that job as manager. Uh, you know, and they, they had an, they had a meeting among, uh, you know, staffers and they all went around the room and said, how many wins has Joe Madden, you know, difference made this year? And the range was from like three to 15. Um, and on the other hand, I think by the time that, you know, Joe's uh, tenure with the Cubs ended, I think the players had kind of turned him off. Uh, I love the video the other day when the Celtics coach came in after they, they won that series against the Heat. And he's talking with the players and he starts talking about, okay, this is not why we're in it. You know, we still have more to do. And the players just dumped water on him. Like, whatever, dude, we, we love you. We're just going to dump water on you. Uh, they were like, we don't want to hear that right now. We want to celebrate. <laughs> Buster only ESPN MLB insider with us every Thursday on the Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEV radio.com. Okay. Let's talk baseball. Red Sox win yesterday against the Reds, but they're three and four right now in this stretch against the Orioles and the Reds. And this is supposed to be the gift portion of their schedule. This inconsistency buster is just maddening, right? They can run through the Astros and the White Sox and Seattle and then go three and four against Baltimore and the Reds. The inconsistency is just, it's grading on me. Yeah. And you know what? I don't blame you. Uh, and I guarantee you that there are players in that clubhouse who are just shaking their heads. You know, the game that I saw, it was infield mistakes that was difference making. You know, Devers making a bad throw. Uh, you know, Franchi uh, Cordero not knocking down a throw at first base. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that Bogarts made. Bogarts apparently, and I was not in the clubhouse, but I read afterward, he was just disconsolate because he was just frustrated with the fact that they didn't play better. And, and yes. When you lose to the Orioles, even though they're getting better, and you lose to the Reds, it does feel like a lost opportunity. That all said, you know, some of the players that I spoke to when I was at, uh, on the field before the game, there is a feeling of, look, the Yankees are having some problems too. Like, there's stuff developing with the other clubs uh, that they feel like they're still trying to get back into it. That said, because of the, you know, the, the, gap that's developed in the schedule if the red sox are going to turn around in, uh, in 2022 it has to start in the next few weeks you like know they have to start making progress uh to keep the front office from doing uh, some kind of a sell-off you know red sox bullpen has been one of their biggest issues this year arguably their biggest issue and they've just placed matt barnes on the injured list now I don't know if he's actually got a shoulder issue or if he's just kind of needs a mental health break, but have you ever seen the wheels fall off as quickly for someone as they have Barnes? Like this isn't a thing where he's got the yips. It's just all of a sudden he's just become incredibly hittable. Yeah. I, and it, it's interesting. You say that I was having a conversation the other day with a, a big leaguer about confidence 
And, you know, we look at, at major league players as being gods, right? And we assume that they probably walk out of the park feeling great about themselves. I, I think that that's just not true. I think that so many of these guys actually have deep insecurities. Hmm. I was talking with one of the Reds coaches about it the other day. We were talking about Alex Rodriguez, you know, who's uh, statistically one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, you know, as a Mariners fan, you know, someone who had a ton of success, won MVP awards, that sort of thing. And yet, you know, he would, he was also a guy who would walk up to a, uh, a teammate after a five for five game with the Rangers and go, Hey, how does my swing look? He was like the student in high school who was getting a plus saying, boy, I, I think I should have done better. Yeah. Uh, and there are a lot of players who are like that. And Matt Barnes strikes me as, as someone who's going through a crisis of confidence. You know, I was listening to your colleague, Jeff Passan, yesterday, and, and he was saying he would never invest big in a bullpen, that bullpens are so fickle that he just wouldn't spend his big resources there. The Red Sox employed that strategy this year. They didn't go after the big-ticket names. Do you subscribe to the Jeff Passan theory, or should they have been going after Kenley Jansen or Kendall Graveman or Craig Kimbrell? I think it's a case-by-case basis, right? Okay. Uh, like, for me, Josh Hader, the Brewers, would be someone, and actually I was talking about this with Jake Diekman the other day of the Red Sox. You know, Josh Hader would be someone, for me, that I would invest big time in because he's been completely dominant, and he's left-handed, and as he's gone along, he's developed a, a lot of pitches. I think, <laughs> you know, and I know Mariano Rivera is the greatest reliever of all time, but the Yankees it might have behooved them at some point to do a long-term deal with him. Yeah. You know, they tend to do two- and three-year deals, and he was great for a, a long period of time. I think that Jeff's right, You know that that tends to be an area that's so volatile where you can be great and they can be terrible. In the first half of 2019, the Nationals statistically had the worst bullpen in baseball, and down the stretch, their bullpen, after they made some upgrades, was phenomenal. And one of those guys, Daniel Hudson, threw the last pitch of the season to win the Nationals the World Series. Mm. <laughs> so with bullpen, you just don't know. The Red Sox look terrible right now in their bullpen. It is the absolute worst problem that they can have. And if you were to tell me that you know they turn around the second half, that wouldn't be a shock. Buster, Red Sox are heading west now. They're going to take on the A's, the slumping Angels, and then the Mariners. It's a trip that, you know, on paper, the Red Sox could and should do well on. But how grueling is that three-city, 10-game, 3,000-mile trip on teams? Look, from the days when I listened to the Red Sox on WDEB, okay, <laughs> it always felt like, that going to the West Coast for the Red Sox was a challenge. And it didn't really matter how good the teams were, but it was a struggle. And if you if you actually you know had a, a, a trip where you won a few series or two series, you felt great about it for the Red Sox. It's, it's a grind. And, you know, we've seen now, I think, uh, with those two recent series against Baltimore and against Cincinnati, Red Sox aren't good enough to take anything for granted. So, yeah. You're facing an Oakland team that stinks, and the Angels are struggling, and they're you know, finishing up the series against the Yankees, so they might be tired by the time that the Red Sox see them. You know better than I do how disappointing this year has been with the Mariners, yeah. but the Red Sox, you just never know in 22. Yeah, that was part of my conversation earlier today with ESPN MLB Insider Buster Only. A lot of good stuff there. I encourage you to go listen to the whole thing on our podcast channel. Just look for the Brady Farkas Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and WDEVradio.com. 
And, and I thought what you just heard Buster say there was really powerful with regards to Matt Barnes. Because we taped the interview early, we were able to cut it up right away. So listen back to this. I was having a conversation the other day with a, a big leaguer about confidence. And, you know, we look at, at major league players as being gods, right? And we assume that they probably walk out of the park feeling great about themselves. I, I think that that's just not true. I think that so many of these guys actually have deep insecurities. I think that's really powerful. And I told you the other day that, yes, Matt Barnes has a ring and Matt Barnes has a good contract. But no amount of money or previous success can cover up the feelings of, of inadequacy that I'm sure he's feeling right now. It's awful. And I believe, Buster, entirely that, yes, a lot of guys do have deep insecurities. And how could you not? In that profession, how could you not have deep insecurities? Because almost nobody is safe in professional baseball. The rare guy that has a 12-year contract, that guy is safe. Most other guys are playing for their lives either game to game or year to year. Like, look at the Red Sox right now. Do you think that Xander Bogarts doesn't have a little insecurity? Do they want me? How much do they value me? Why do they not value me enough? I want to be here, but when and what is their next offer going to be? I'd be insecure if I'm Xander Bogarts. I played here for a decade. I've won multiple World Series here. I'm one of the best hitters. I'm one of the best shortstops in franchise history. This franchise should retire my number, and they very well may kick me to the curb. That would make me insecure. Don't you think that deep down Chris Sale has some insecurities? Like, man, am I ever going to be the same? Am I, how am I going to be viewed by fans here forever? Why do I keep falling apart physically? Why does this keep happening to me? And the, the impending free agents wondering what their situations are going to be like. I, I think several of these players have to be looking over their shoulders constantly wondering when exactly is their time going to come. Ryan Brazier, I'm sure, is doing it. Barnes is doing it. Salomer is doing it. Bobby Dahlbeck, I bet, is doing it. Like, you're just wondering, are you one bad outing or one bad game away from being gone and not getting another chance? I love that Buster said it because it's true. Guys are not safe in this sport. They're not safe in general in pro sports very much. Like, look how quickly it can turn for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, who's the king of Cleveland, gets the Browns to the playoff in playoffs and wins a game and then 12 months later is going to be looking for a job and may have to be a backup. Look how quickly it can end for guys. Look how quickly it can change for guys. So when Buster says, I think these guys are way more insecure than we think they are, I think he's 100% right. And it's part of the reason, again, that I feel awful for Matt Barnes because with every bad outing, that insecurity only grows deeper. It only grows deeper. I thought that was a really powerful comment there from Buster Olney. Got a very interesting text on Matt Barnes, which we're going to get to on the other side of the CBS News update. But when we come back after the news, we'll answer the text. And I'll tell you the one big worry I have for the Celtics moving into this series. That's next on DEV. Day 6. Now it's back to the Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEV Radio.com. 
Welcome back in. Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Full show tonight all the way up until 7 o'clock. Then it's a one-hour jazz with George Thomas. And then the NBA Finals will have our coverage beginning at 8 o'clock between the Celtics and the Warriors. You'll hear from Eric Snow, the former NBA point guard, is going to be with us at 6.30. Went to the Finals three times with three different organizations in his career. We just spoke with Buster only. You heard part of my taped interview with Buster and one final note on baseball for the day. Unnamed texter says the one guy that reminds me of Matt Barnes more than anyone would be Daniel Bard. And that's probably a good comparison. Now, in full disclosure, Daniel Bard predates me being a Red Sox fan and working in the marketplace. So I don't really remember Daniel Bard you know, I remember Daniel Bard, but I, I don't remember all of his outings or his complete story. Looking at the numbers, Daniel Bard was very good for his first three years numbers-wise. You're right, 2012 off a cliff, right? 6-2 ERA. The thing I would argue and the thing I would want to know about Daniel Bard is how much of that was because of a transition to a starter. Now, he started 10 games in 2012. He had never started any he's never started any game at any other point for his career. But 10 games in 2012 he started. Um, I wonder how much of an issue that caused for him. Now, he had 43 walks in 51 innings that year. He had 38 strikeouts, so more walks than strikeouts in ERA of 6-2. So like Barnes, he's become incredibly hittable and also has been increasingly less able to th- to put people away. So I do think there is a real similarity there between Barnes and Bard. I just, you know, don't remember it vividly enough to tell you that it's 100% on. But looking at the numbers, it feels comparable, although Bard, I do wonder how much was attributed to him being a starter. And remember, the Red Sox tried to do that. In that year. Okay. Full show podcast is available always, as are all of our interviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That is the Brady Farkas Show podcast. Let's get back in to the NBA Finals. The biggest worry that I have in terms of on court, the biggest on court worry that I have in general is Robert Williams for the Celtics. One, is he healthy? And two, assuming he is healthy, do the Warriors find a way to essentially render him useless and get him off the floor entirely? That's one of my biggest fears. I am wor- I am nervous about Robert Williams' ability to make an impact in this series. He is vital to what the Celtics do defensively. He's long. He can rebound. He can block some shots. He can alter others. He's hugely important to what the Celtics do. But I worry about the Warriors' ability to isolate him and get him in situations that are tough for him. Listen to Ime Udoka, Celtics head coach. He was talking yesterday about how his team defense stacks up with the Warriors' offense. Well, we do have a size and versatility on the wings, and I think – you know, with who we are defensively against a really good offensive team, to the benefit is having obviously Marcus and Jason Jalen on the perimeter, but as well, you know, you have bigs that they can't just pick on. You know, Al, Rob, Grant, and everybody else. Uh, you know that we do use. It's a it's a kind of a perfect storm as far as the matchup with all the offensive talent they have. 
So he says that his bigs can't be picked on. He thinks that his bigs can handle being out there on the perimeter. And maybe it will end up working that way. But I am very nervous about pick and rolls where the Warriors kill two birds with one stone. I want you to, to picture this scenario in your head. Marcus Smart is defending Steph Curry. Picture this. Marcus Smart is defending Steph Curry. The Warriors run a pick and roll, and they force the Celtics to switch. So now you've got Marcus Smart not on Steph Curry, so that's a problem. And then you've got Robert Williams now on Steph Curry. And this situation worries me because what is going to happen now? If Robert Williams in that situation comes out and is essentially one-on-one with Steph Curry on the perimeter, the whole lane is now exposed. Steph can take one or two dribbles by Williams and either get to the hoop or kick it out because the rim protector is no longer there. That would be a problem for the Celtics. Or two, Robert Williams says, look, I'm not going to come out. And now Steph Curry is just simply left with a wide-open jump shot. That obviously is a huge problem as well. That is one of my biggest worries in this series, that Robert Williams, a guy who is vital to what the Celtics do, ends up being useless because the Warriors find a way to isolate him and find a way to expose him. If you can't use Robert Williams, your defense is its not bad, but it's not the top defense in the league. Williams' ability to block shots and alter shots is a huge part of what the Celtics do. And if the Warriors just attack him and make him make that choice, that's going to be bad news for the Seas. For what it's worth, we had Freddie Coleman on yesterday from ESPN Radio. I asked him essentially about this scenario. Oh, he won't be used to the ineffective because if you have a rim protector, those kind of guys still matter. But here's the deal. You're going to see a lot of sets. They try to draw him away from the basket. So does he get in drop coverage and stay in the lane? That allows an easier shot, a pull-up shot, whether it's Clay Thompson, the screen and roll, Steph Curry, maybe even Andrew Wiggins. And if he comes up, is he quick enough to keep those guys from getting to the rim where his length can really, really be a problem? Yeah, that is basically what I said. Now, Freddie didn't make it sound as bad as I have done, but he basically said the same thing. If Robert Williams drops in coverage, guys have more open looks. Huge problem against a team that can shoot like this, right? If you drop on Giannis, not as big a deal. You want him to take that shot. You can't drop on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. You can't drop on Jordan Poole. Maybe you can drop on Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins, but you can't drop on Steph, Clay, and Poole. You just can't. So if he does come out, then the lane is exposed and guys are going to the bucket easier. That's all part of the cat and mouse game of a, of a seven game playoff series. I hope that Robert Williams can be effective, but I fear the warriors dictate pace and and tempo. And we see their small ball lineup cause problems for the Celtics. Now Al Horford is forced into huge minutes and the bench has to shrink even further. If Williams is, is unaffected is, is ineffective. Well, now the bench has shrunk even further, and that that all worries me. Napa Morrisville, Napa Waterbury, text line, 802-585-3026. Mac over in Williamstown. Brady, along that line, do you think we could see Daniel Tyson this series? Yeah, I think it's possible, right? Just because there's not always carryover 
in an NBA series. Just because a guy isn't useful in one series doesn't mean he won't be useful in another. I think it's possible you see Tice. He has the ability to play on the perimeter a little bit more than Williams does, obviously. So if Williams is off the floor, then Tice could be of use. How much? I don't know. But he could be of use. And I think it's something that we should watch and and wait to see how it develops. Because just because he didn't play, I think Grant Williams is going to be a huge part of this, right? A smaller big. He's going to be a big part of this. The Celtics got to find a way to, you know, get those pick and rolls to happen with him rather than with Rob Williams. If they can, it's all part of the cat and mouse game. Colin Cowherd of Fox Sports Radio, he was on today and he discussed his biggest worry for the Celtics. My number one concern for Boston, and I think they could win it, um, they were second in the league in blowout wins this year, I think, to Phoenix, is that they lose leads and lose games when they outplay people. So when Golden State outshoots you and outplays you, they bury you. So Colin says he worries about the Celtics' ability to hold a lead and to finish. I mean, okay, like my real answer is, yeah, it's a concern. The Celtics have a hard time closing teams out. That's true. It's been a problem all year. It's been a problem for multiple years. But if the Celtics are capable of getting up 18 or 20 on this team, I'll take my chances with that problem than any other problem they may have. If you're telling me the biggest worry for the Celtics is how are they going to hold on to an 18-point lead in this series, then I'll sign up for that. I'll take that problem over Marcus Smart's ankle and Robert Williams' knee and Williams not being able to defend. I'll take problem. I'll take this problem over any of those problems. Collins right, but that is like so far down my list of things that would worry me. Um, Madison in Barry City. Brady, did you hear what Grant Williams said? He said something like his team was built to beat the Warriors. Do you think he should have said that? Well, Madison, let me go uh, click it around here in the background because we actually have, I believe, the clip that you're referring to. Uh, do we have it, guys? Okay, we do. Here's what here's what Grant Williams had to say. That's kind of what Madison's talking about. Yeah, they're not. They're unlike any other team. Um, we've been through a, a team of great isolation players. We've been through a team that has a dominant. Um, man that can then play play any position and guard any position. And then we played a team that is the most physical and, and grueling versus this team. I feel like it has that physical nature, but they're a lot more able to make shots or a lot more movement, a lot more chasing. And I feel like our team's built for that. We're, we're built for not only that, but also the physical nature. You know, I am usually the first guy to step up and say, you shouldn't give bullets and board material. I'm always that guy, right? Like, J.C. Jackson's calling out Keenan Allen for the Patriots last year. I'm the first guy to tell J.C. to stop talking. Like, I'm always that guy. But I don't think what Grant Williams just said there was bad in any way. I have no problem with what Grant Williams just said, Madison. He complimented the Warriors at every turn. He said they're unlike any other team. Yeah, they're not. They're unlike any other team. Uh, okay, they're unlike any other team. He said the Warriors can do multiple things. He said they're physical. He said they can hit shots. He said they have a lot of movement. That's all complimentary. All he said was at the very end. We're chasing, and I feel like our team's built for that. We're, we're built for not only that, but also the physical nature. 
our team is built to play a team that plays this way. He did not say, hey, we match up well. He didn't say we could stop them. He didn't guarantee anything. I think he's just kind of giving a fair analysis of how his team is built and the personnel that they have. I don't think there's anything malicious in that. If Trust me, if the Celtics were giving bulletin board material, I, I would be all over them. I don't think that's bulletin board material. Like I, I know when a guy is throwing shade and when a guy is making promises that they shouldn't be making. Grant Williams isn't doing that. All he said is that um, that his team, you know, the personnel is capable of playing a team that plays like this. Didn't say it's going to work. Didn't say they're going to win. Didn't say they're ready for it. Didn't say the Warriors aren't that good. I, I just think he gave a fair analysis. So, no, Madison, I don't have a problem with it. Um, Jim in Virgins. Well, okay, let's see here. Jim says, he sends two texts, the second of which says, love your show. So happy you could bring a legit sports show to Vermont. Thank you very much, Jim. I appreciate you listening. Well, the first text, though, says, Brady, you are completely wrong. Without Robert Williams, there is no ring this year. He is the big man we've been missing for years. Jim, I, I when you say I'm completely wrong, I feel like I kind of said that, right? Like my biggest fear is that the Warriors – are able to play Robert Williams off the floor. That's my biggest fear. And because I know how important Robert Williams is. You're telling me they can't win a ring without Robert Williams. I'm agreeing with you. I I didn't say it would be good if Robert Williams can't play in this series. My fear is that the Warriors isolate Robert Williams and pick on him to the point that he's not able to function in this series. And that would be disastrous for the Celtics. I hope the Celtics can counter that. I hope that Williams can prove effective, and I hope that I am wrong. But I think we're saying the same thing here. So when you say I'm completely wrong, I'm not quite sure what I'm completely wrong about. You think Robert Williams is important. I think Robert Williams is important. I I wouldn't list it as my number one concern if I didn't think that he's important. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Former NBA point guard Eric Snow is going to stop by in about 10 to 15 minutes. I look forward to talking with him. But right now, we do it every single day. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did he say? Mac Jones. Good Lord. Mel Kuyper's got to slow down on this. Mac Jones ain't going to work, folks. It's not going to work. He's got to come to terms with it. It's not going to work. They really said that? Every damn thing is politics and race. And I'm losing my mind over it. It's time for who's saying what on the Brady Park. Show on WDEB AM, FM, and WDEBradio.com. Who's saying what is brought to you by Vermont Laser Wash? Vermont Laser Wash is Central Vermont's home of unlimited car washes. It begins at just $20 a month. Unlimited car washes, $20 a month. If you want just one free car wash, just text the word Vermont to the number 30 and then 400. Obviously, look, it's the NBA Finals. Both teams are incredibly motivated coming into this series. That goes without saying. But which team is more motivated? I heard something very interesting from former NBA big man and friend of our show, Ryan Hollins, this week on Fox Sports 1. Listen to this. This is going to be their sweetest championship yet. It's not the first one where they were kind of too young. It's not the second go around with KD. 
this is going to be their Swedish championship yet. They've built culture. They've rebuilt. They've introduced new characters into the party, into their, the mix. Their star left them. And this is one that you look back. This is this is like Kobe Bryant. When Kobe Bryant did it without Shaq with Gasol and Bynum and those boys, that cemented Kobe as Kobe. And now those guys have motivation that I don't think Boston has. We talked about what's their motive. They haven't been there before. This is the furthest they've been. I don't want to just say they're happy to be there, but they don't understand the moment like Golden State understands it. So Holland says the Celtics cannot match the Warriors' motivation level. I asked Freddie Coleman yesterday about that, and very quickly he said this. I'm with him on that one, mainly because Golden State's playing for history. So Holland says no one can match the Warriors' motivation. Freddie agrees with them. Look, I'm not here to knock the Warriors' motivation. Of course they're motivated. It's the freaking finals. They're going for history. They're going for their big three to win again. They've been through all the injuries. They can win it without Durant. I, it all feeds it. I get the storylines. But if you think the Celtics are lacking motivation or you think they are just some kind of, oh, we're just happy to be here, aw shucks team, then you've got another thing coming. The Celtics have been through a lot in order to get here tonight. This isn't some Cinderella, out-of-nowhere Cincinnati Bengals story. This is a team that has been through lots of heartbreak, and those scars are deep, and they are real, and this is the opportunity that they've endured all of that for. They are incredibly motivated. This young core of Celtics players, Smart, Tatum, Brown, lost in the Eastern Conference Finals twice when they were young. When you're young, you just always think you're going to be there. But then as you get older, you realize that you're not. They, they, they miss the finals. They endure COVID. They go to the bubble. They all get injuries along the way. I think this core has a real appreciation and a real understanding that these opportunities, they don't just happen. They're not just given to you and they're not just guaranteed. They failed in the Eastern Conference Finals three times before they won it. They've seen injuries and how they can derail a season, whether it be to Isaiah Thomas or Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker or to themselves. I think these guys get it. I think these guys do appreciate the moment. So for Ryan Hollins and anybody else to say, oh, they don't get the moment like Golden State does, I am, I am not buying that. Al Horford's played in 140 playoff games, never played in the finals game. I think he gets it. I think he's got a reason to come out motivated in this game and in this series. Look, the Celtics' motivation, it doesn't mean they're going to win this series. But to sit here and treat them like they're some Cinderella 10 seed making a run in the NCAA tournament and they're just happy with whatever's got, whatever, with, with whatever is coming to them, I, I don't believe that. I don't buy that Marcus Smart, who has given up his body for eight years now, and lost in three conference finals is taking this for granted. I don't think Tatum or Brown, who have seen firsthand how difficult it is to get here, I don't think they're taking it for granted. I, I am surprised at both Ryan Hollins and our guy Freddie Coleman. I I, I, I think the Celtics come out here with a massive appreciation of, of what it took to get here. 
the Warriors have a massive appreciation of what it took to get back here, no doubt. But the Celtics are not some team that just kind of lucked their way into this. They've worked hard at it for five, six, seven, eight years in Marcus Smart's case, 15 years in Al Horford's case. I think these guys get what they're stepping onto the court tonight in, in uh, at the Chase Center in uh and the, I guess it's San Francisco now. It used to be Oakland. Now it's San Francisco. I, I just can't wait to tip the ball off tonight. And I'm so jacked up that we have the game here on WDEV because, you know, we don't air Celtics games usually, but we were able to get game one of the NBA finals. And we might be doing more games in this series. I'm jacked up that we have it. You know what's hard as a Celtics fan? Really? You know what's hard as a Celtics fan in this series? It's really hard to hate the Warriors. It's really hard to hate the Warriors. Like, on almost every team, you can point to a reason why you hate the other team. Either a certain player, a certain coach, or the fan base. That You don't have that with the Warriors. Like, Draymond Green used to be easy to hate, but he's actually been pretty tame for the last few years. He's doing some media stuff. He's in podcasting now. Like, Draymond's created some likability for himself. Curry, Thompson, very likable players with good stories. Andrew Wiggins is very quiet. We don't hear a lot from him. Everybody hated he wasn't vaccinated at the beginning of the year. Then he got vaccinated, and that storyline went away. Steve Kerr is fairly likable. It's It's just hard to hate the Warriors. It is just hard to hate the Warriors. I'll try to find a way over the course of the next seven games, the next two and a half weeks, but I don't know that I'm going to find it. It's a team that is certainly likable. And and finally, I also love that this matchup is a matchup of teams that were built what we think is the, quote, right way. The Celtics and the Warriors are teams that were built largely through the draft and through player development portals. I love that. Like This is the way we want all teams to be built, drafting and player development. I don't mind a big three, but I love when that big three comes from within. That's what everybody should want their teams to be. If you're not a fan of just buying titles, if you're not a fan of players just calling their shots and getting traded all around the league, then this series is for you. Steph, Clay, Draymond, all drafted and developed warriors. Jordan Poole, draft, you know, developed warrior. For the Celtics, Tatum, Brown, developed warriors. Pritchard, devel- or, uh, Celtic rather. Pritchard, developed Celtic. Uh, Tice, you know, I'm not sure, I don't even remember if he was drafted, but nonetheless, been with the Celtics for a while. Robert Williams, developed Celtic. And then the other guys, Al Horford, Derek White, like you're allowed to draw from the outside, but they didn't bring in Kevin Durant here. These two teams are built in a way that we like teams to be built. And I think it's going to be very cool to watch that manifest itself on national television. Everybody's looking for which, which free agents can they pair together. Well, the best way is always going to be doing it on your own. It's harder to do it that way but it is always going to be the best way. It's the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Game one, NBA Finals, coming up 8 o'clock with our coverage, just after 9 with the tip-off. What are the emotions going to be like when the Celtics step on the floor? 
for the first time in the finals. We'll talk to a guy who played in three NBA finals, former NBA point guard Eric Snow. He's going to stop by with us next on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now it's back with Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show here on this Thursday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. The countdown continues to NBA Finals Game 1. We're going to have it for you in a little over an hour from now, where our coverage begins just after 8 o'clock. Celtics taking on the Warriors and joining us now. A guy who knows a thing or two about the NBA Finals. He was a part of three teams that went to NBA Finals, played in three of them himself. It's longtime NBA point guard and a guy who's done some coaching as well, Eric Snow. Eric, thanks for being with us. How are you? No, um, thank you very much. I'm doing terrific. How about yourself? I'm doing well as well. And and I don't know if what I'm about to tell you is corny or complimentary, but I cannot tell you how many times in the driveway I was pretending to be <laughs> Eric Snow, Aaron McKee, Theo Ratliff, Allen Iverson. Nice. Your Sixers teams, man, They especially the one that got to the finals, they were a cultural phenomenon. Did you realize that at the moment? Yeah, I I, I kind of notice it as I get older, um, you know, people telling me, you know, they, they, they kind of tell me their age when they kind of tell me stories about it and, and how they remember it. But, um, but also, you know, shows how dynamic a guy like Alan Iverson was, you know, we have, you know, let's be honest that most of our viewership and fans were, were, were because of him. And I think that our team where we played kind of brought in some fans and brought enthusiasm, especially in the Philadelphia area, but it was a good time. Uh, I really, um, I'm thankful for that time. You know, as we get ready for the Celtics tonight, the the Warriors have a ton of finals experience and a title and, and a title pedigree. The Celtics have no finals experience, although a lot of big game experience. What are the emotions like when you take the floor for the first time in your first finals? Um, it's a great deal of enthusiasm. Um, I think that you you do calm and you do get to a point where you calm down and everything's settled. Um, I think for Golden State's top three guys, that, that selling moment has already happened. <laughs> That's what the experience kind of brings for those guys. Um, but you still have some anxious energy, even, you know, for guys that's been there. Um, Boston is different because, you know, they just have so many new and fresh guys. But uh, I don't, I don't want to get it confused because, you know, Golden State's had a great deal of success but they still have some other key guys on their team that yeah. is fresh for them too. So, so they, a lot of those guys are going through, you know, Wiggins, Looney, and 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 Poole. Those guys playing major minutes and having a major contribution are still feeling the same thing that Boston's feeling. Let me ask you kind of the same question, but from two different vantage points here. This Celtics team has been through the ringer the last couple of years, right? And yeah. especially the Kyrie Irving, you know the Kyrie Irving years kind of stunted the growth of their young players. When you are a veteran on a young team, how do you balance letting young players grow versus not letting them have full control of the room? Well, I mean, I think that for the most part, the teams that I've played on, um, you know, you didn't really have, I didn't have younger guys that really were, maybe the right word is not necessarily mature enough, but Mm kind of mature and the experience um, and the talent to kind of command the role. The guy that was 
like that that I played with was LeBron James. Yeah. And it was because of, um, you know, his talent, but it was also his maturity beyond years than his actual age um, and his approach to the game. He put in the work. So I think it is possible when you can have a young guy to do it, but it's, it's kind of thing. Other things have to fall in place. It can't just be because he's talented. Um, he has to command the respect from other players and be able to give it, um, set the example for leadership. Um, and if guys can do that, even if at a young age, I don't think the age really matters if they're doing those, those things that's needed for a team to be successful. And how about, I got to give a lot of credit to a guy like Al Horford. He was part of the Celtics team before he knows the problems, the pitfalls that they went through. He comes back now and it seems like, you know, he's really just tried to add to the culture and add to the dynamic and not try to change things. When you are a, a true veteran in the league, you know, how do you just kind of massage the locker room to keep it strong or make it stronger? Well, I mean, I think it's his approach more than anything else. Um, he, he's professional. He comes, he plays hard, he does his job. So when, when you do those things, you set an example for the team. You set an example for the coaching staff to use, a model to use. So it's a model for success. So that's kind of where he helps. And then the things that he does on the court has, has been tremendous for this for the Celtics. So when when guys see his approach and they see how he is off the court, and then all of a sudden you get on the court and you see that amount of success and you see how much the contributions help the team, it's easy for guys to draw from that and, and try to emulate what he's doing out there on the court because of the success that comes with it. Former NBA point guard Eric Snow played in three NBA finals. He's here with us in the Brady Farkas show. We're counting down to game one. Celtics Warriors tonight. We'll have the coverage for you. Tip-off is just after 9 o'clock. What do you think the best way for the Celtics defense to attack Golden State is? We've heard a lot of talk about you got to get physical with them, but then we've heard the Warriors can handle physicality. What would you do style-wise if you're the Cs? Man, I think that, um, you know, obviously I think, you know, the number one thing is, is to try to somewhat slow down or average out Stephen Curry. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously that's going to be a job that Marcus Smart's going to have to do. Um, but not just Marcus Smart. I think it's the game plan that you know, Ime is going to come up with and be, or the guy's going to be able to um, attack it and stay with it enough to, if it's not working, to be able to make an adjustment. Um, you know, the old saying in defense is you're, you're as strong as your weakest link. So making sure that all the guys that are on the court are well equipped and well ready to execute whatever defensive game plan you have. Um, if Steph Curry's setting on a screen, if he's receiving a screen, if he's coming off pick and roll to the right, pick and roll to the left, whatever adjustments, whatever plan that you make, try to execute it to his, to the best of his, your ability to see if it's working, to see if we make, need to make an adjustment and see how they're attacking so i think that being really in tune to what what you want to do to be able to go forward and make the adjustments has to be done so i think that yes you want to be physical but you got to be physical without without filing but at the same time you just can't give them the easy baskets the clean shots and get let them get to the free throw line that's where they really hurt you you know i am very fearful of robert williams not having an impact in this series one is his health but two, just from an on-court standpoint, I really fear a lot of pick and rolls and the, the Warriors guards trying to get Williams out away from the paint, away from the basket, and into some adverse matchups. You as a point guard, what do you do 
to isolate a matchup that may be in your favor? How do you attack it? Well, I mean, you know, nowadays, you know, teams switch a lot. So it's it just really depends on what they're doing defensively. Most most times, if you want to isolate this particular player, they switch a lot. But as you've seen with the Golden State with um, the Mavericks, they avoided, you know, um, stuff and pulling those guys defending Luka. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it, it can be done. But, I, you know, I think that Golden State will try to attack matchups. I'm sure that, you know, they'll try to get a big on a small, because um, most teams do. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they do that um, with Aloni on the, on the court. So, uh, you know, I'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see very soon um, <laughs> how Boston's going to be able to, um, you know, what they're going to do if they try to attach, you know, if they try to attack them and pick and rolls and try to get them switched. Are they going to just show and contest and not switch? So, um, they may have that. They may switch with Al and Grant Williams, but not um, Williams. You know, Grant yeah. Williams, they may switch with that um, big fella Williams. Robert, they may not switch with him. So it, it, it kind of, you got to, we, we have to kind of wait and see um, how this first game is going to roll out. And there may be adjustments during the game as well. You know, we've talked about this here in New England all season, but nationally they're catching on to it now. The differences between Brad Stevens and Ime Udoka and their coaching styles and a lot's being made about Udoka's ability to hold players accountable and kind of how blunt and transparent he is with players. You played for some of the most legendary coaches in the sports history, George Carl and Larry Brown. How do you like your coach to be kind of attitude-wise? How do you like them to communicate with you to get the best out of you? I, I have no problem with, um, you know, I think when, when you're a professional, you don't really want, especially your older guy to have, you know, like, you know, having children and families and you're a grown man. You don't necessarily need a coach, you know, yelling and cursing at you. Yeah. Um, but I think what you want is a coach that whatever he can say to Pritchard, he can say to Jason Taylor. That's, mm-hmm. what, that's how I think you, you can command the locker room. That that you 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 treat everyone the same, you respect everyone the same, um, but you hold Jason Tatum as much accountable as you do Pritchard. When when you have coaches that can do that and do that well, they'll have a locker room. You know, I got to tell you real quick before I let you go here. Uh, I showed my age by telling you I was a fan of your Sixers teams, but <laughs> before that, I was I actually grew up in Seattle, so I grew up a diehard Sonics fan. And I know awesome. <laughs> you were playing you were playing in Seattle, so 95-96 finals, I was there. So you got awesome. to play with Peyton and Kemp and you got to play with Iverson, you got to play with LeBron. Who was the biggest personality that you played with? The biggest personality? Cuz you played with a bunch. Um, the biggest personality, probably Gary Payton. Yeah. Yeah, probably Gary Payton. And we're going to see his son, uh, hopefully, in this series. Looks yeah, like he's healthy enough to be out he, there. He was the biggest personality. It, it, was, it was one of a kind. Was Did you one. think, after you won games four and five in 95-96, did you think you were going to beat the Bulls in that finals? The momentum was with you. I mean, we, we, we thought we were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, it was an uphill battle, you know, going back to Chicago and needing to win, to win two games. But, you know, we felt we were until, it, until we didn't. Well, I love that team, too. I've loved multiple Eric Snow teams here. So, uh, Eric, man, we appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. There goes Eric Snow. Yeah, former NBA point guard. Three finals appearances with three different teams. Seattle in his early portion of his career. He didn't play much. Philly when he was a huge part of it in the starting lineup. And then Cleveland. Remember that LeBron... uh, 
that LeBron uh, finals against, oh, man. What did LeBron, what did the Cavs play in the finals? For All I can think of is LeBron hitting a jump shot, like a half quarter against Orlando in the playoffs. That wasn't it. I think it was scoring 26 straight points against Detroit. That's not it. Someone help me. 802-585-3026. Who did the Cavs play in the NBA finals with LeBron? Now I, with LeBron early. Let me see. Uh, okay. Now, now I got to look it up. So who we got here? Um, they got to the finals in, this was like what? Like 07, 08 here. Um, I mean, Spurs. They go swept by the Spurs. It was a sweep. That's why I don't remember. But Eric Snow was on that team. And I, I really did enjoy watching Eric Snow play. He was a really good, uh, really good, um, really good point guard, defensive minded. Snow's doing a podcast now, by the way. He's doing some good stuff there. You should check out his podcast over with the Believe Podcast Network. So um, a, lot of, a lot of cool stuff there that Eric Snow is doing. Really enjoyed speaking with him. So, you know what? What we'll do is we'll step aside. When we come back, when re- Eric Snow said something very interesting about the Celtics heading into tonight's game one that I want to get to. We'll tell you what Snow said. Freddie Coleman actually said something very similar yesterday. We'll continue the countdown towards Celtics Warriors Game 1 of the NBA Finals. It's next on DEV. The podcast anytime at WDEVradio.com. Your chance to be part of the show is on the text line at 802-585-3026. Now it's back to the Brady Parker Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in Brady Farkas show right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com show brought to you in part by pro driver training. That's pro driver training Vermont's premier truck driver training school online at prodriverscdl.com. Thank you very much to Eric snow for stopping by. Can you believe that play in the league a decade play with Gary Payton, Allen Iverson at the height of his powers and LeBron James right at the beginning of his career. That is a hell of a thing to tell your grandkids about. And Eric Snow was not some stiff. Eric Snow was a starter on a team that went to the NBA Finals. Like He was the starting point guard. Allen Iverson was the biggest name. Eric Snow was the starting point guard. But you play with Peyton, LeBron, and Iverson at the height of his powers, and you play with LeBron at peak early LeBron hype and go to the Finals there, that, that is pretty unreal stuff. Like That is pretty amazing. And Eric Snow was a good player. That that Sixers team that went to the finals was a cultural phenomenon. I mean, and he's right. Iverson was the reason. But Eric Snow, Kembe Mutombo, Theo Ratliff, Matt Geiger, I think. Like, maybe even Tony Kukoc. Like, the fact that I can name all these players from, like, the 0-1 Sixers is a testament to how powerful they were. That team was a wagon, as they say. Like, you just wanted to jump on the bandwagon. And I have said this forever, that Allen Iverson was was an innovator and was a trendsetter. Not everybody liked it. You know, the baggy clothes, the off-court apparel. Not everybody loved Iverson. But he was absolutely one of the most influential players of the last 25 years. 100%. He had the game to back it up. 
He had the personality. He had this kind of street ball, raw mentality. He inspired a lot of guys. And a lot of kids love basketball because of Allen Iverson. And Eric Snow was right there and had the proximity to it. So I love talking to him. We didn't have time in the commercial break to get the exact clip that Eric Snow said. But Freddie Coleman said it yesterday to us as well. So we're going to play Freddie from yesterday. We talked about the idea of the Celtics being physical and how they should play defense. You can be as physical with Golden State as you want to, but that doesn't mean you'll be able to knock them off their game because let's say you're physical, Brady, or you're putting fouls on your team and you put Golden State in the free throw line. Do you really want Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins on the free throw line and getting those kind of numbers offensively? So the the... That's the gist of it. The phrase that Eric used is physical without fouling. If you are the Celtics, that is another thing that you have to be nervous about. Can you be physical without fouling? That's really hard to do. How do you make life tough for this Golden State team without putting them at the line? You want to send a message. You want to be intense. You know they've got home court. You know the calls are probably going in their favor. So you want to be physical. You want to be intense. You want to be in their shorts. You want to make life tough. How do you do that without fouling? That's going to be a real big challenge. And the Celtics, like, that that's a bad recipe on any front. Like, if, if they go to the line, it's free points for the Warriors. The Warriors at the line is free points. If you are the Celtics also, you get in foul trouble. That is a serious test of your depth, and I don't think you have a ton right now. If Marcus Smart gets two quick fouls, you're in trouble. If Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum get two quick fouls, you're in trouble. Al Horford, two quick fouls, you're in trouble. You can't have that. Like Peyton Pritchard and Derek White can get in foul trouble. Rob Williams, to a slightly lesser degree, can get in foul trouble. Your, your core three cannot get in foul trouble, and I would say Horford's in there too. Your core four cannot get in foul trouble. I do not want to see that if I'm the Celtics. A um, couple other just kind of limited uh, – or a couple other random audio pieces that we have here I want to play real quick. Here's Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston. I feel like Jalen's had his moments this postseason, but something tells me he's going to be – I don't, and I hate to call him the X factor because he's the second best player on your team, but I feel like this could be the Jalen Brown series, whereas I don't know if we've had that yet, right? Like Jason's been great. Marcus has been great in stretches. I thought Al Horford last round. Maybe it's time that Jalen just sort of goes to that next level. Jalen Brown's going to have to step up big. I think Grant Williams is going to have to step up big too. This is going to be a team effort, right? I talk about that. Sixers series, right, with Eric Snow. The Sixers played the Lakers. Now, this is not as big a disparity as that was, right? I think they had Shaq and Kobe on that Lakers team. So it's not that big a disparity. But Iverson went for like 45 in game one of that series, and then the the Sixers got run out of the gym for the next four. When you are a one-man, when you are a one-man band, you cannot win the NBA Finals against a complete team. The Celtics are not going to win this series with Tatum going for 50 and everybody else going for 14. That's not going to work. That is not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. Jalen Brown is going to have to be heavily involved here. The Celtics can win. The Celtics can win this series. I picked them to lose, but the Celtics can win this series. Tatum for 26, 
Brown for 23, Smart for 19, Horford for 17, Rob Williams for 12, Grant Williams for 9, Derek White for 9. Like, they can win. But Jalen Brown is going to have to be a huge part of it. I think it's going to be hard on Jason Tatum. I think the Warriors are going to make it hard on him. Someone's got to be there to help him out. Smart holding, uh, uh, handling the ball is going to be huge. That's going to be huge. But Jalen Brown's also got to be there as well. So you cannot afford to have a game. Like if Tatum has a game where he gets 14, the Celtics are losing. If Brown has a game where he gets 12, they're losing. It's just going to happen. So everybody's got to be involved. I'm looking. I am so pumped. For this game, I am so pumped for this series. I am pumped that we are bringing you game one of the NBA Finals. I've been here now two years. It's the first finals that we're doing, right? And we aired a couple of World Series games a couple of years back. But because of the way these contracts work and everything, it's hard to put these games on the air. I'm pumped that our management was able to make it happen. And I think we're going to put more on. Celtics Warriors, game one tonight. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get out of here at 7:15 or so, 7:30, and then it's gonna be a half-hour drive home, and I'm gonna be in my chair ready for the next hour. Like, okay, let's go, let's go. Celtics. I think this game. I think the Warriors win this game. If the Celtics can win one of the first two, one of the two here in Golden State, that is a huge victory. You cannot get down 2-0 if you want to win this series. It's not gonna happen because you're not gonna beat this team for the next five. Don't get down 2-0, split 1-1. I think the Warriors win this game. I think it's a little ugly at first. Then I think we get going. I think the Warriors win this one. I'll say 103-96. to 103-96 is my prediction. But, hey, I want to be wrong. I'm actively rooting to be wrong. So if the Celtics win and you want to come in and do a, you know, ha-ha, I told you so at me, that's fine. I'll take it. I am rooting. To be wrong. Thanks to Buster Olney for stopping by earlier today. We played part of that interview on the air. The full interview is available online. And thank you also to Eric Snow for just stopping by the former NBA point guard. Three trips he made to the NBA Finals. Jazz with George Thomas is coming up next until 8 o'clock. Then the game. Go find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our website.